Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. Today I wanted to, um, my intention for the last three weeks was to come to you and talk about the, the, the individuals that have already been preached about and the, the prodigal son and, or the sons and, and then Jonah and then Elijah and add to that people like King David who wrote the Psalms, who screamed at God and, and wrote songs <laughs> screaming at God and then, uh, um, and then Habakkuk, prophets like Habakkuk. Uh, who would say, Lord, I, I think you've lost your mind with what you're doing. And, uh, and then, of course, coming to Jesus Christ. But in each of these situations, what I discovered is not only the pro- possibility, but the probability for those individuals as they stood and they would scream in the face of God, where they would land squarely, where they would end up, was that scream of frustration would turn to a shout of declaration and praise. I love Habakkuk, for instance, as, he, as the book opens and it says, God, have you lost your mind? I can't believe you're using these Chaldeans to do this or that. But the book ends with this, though there's no cattle in my barn or feed in the storage bin or whatever, he says, yet I will praise your name, yet you are able. I love that fact. Beloved, and here's the promise for every scream of frustration that you may be walking through at this time in your life, and boy, is there ever reason to scream. First, we're going to hear God whisper back, and secondly, we have the promise of this sure destination that our momentary scream of frustration will translate to a shout of praise. There's your sermon. Amen. Let's pray. (laughs) Not really. Uh, But as I come to this morning, I want to focus on Jesus Christ. And as we wrap up this series, there's probably no greater place. And last week, as I I spoke at another church in Florida, I shared this message in, in similar fashion. And it's one that comes from October of last year. And what's gripped my heart throughout the week is the reality of God speaking to us well before COVID-19 would ever find us, well before the frustrations and realities um, of things going on in our nation, everything from political upheaval to social upheaval to protests to jobs, finances, government, economics, we just don't know. And for many of us, there's just boiling frustration to just sort of scream and say, for crying out loud, what's going to happen. I believe there's no greater epitomization and modeling of this than the life of Christ as he comes to the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, verse 36, it says, and he came to a place called Gethsemane. I think I'm quoting that right. Let me glance at that real quickly. It says, and he came, and he came brought them, and he came with them or to a place called Gethsemane. Now, this word, this word means, literally, from an ancient language, uh, the oil press. And it's appropriately located on a mountain of olives, the Mount of Olives. And at the base of it was this Garden of Gethsemane. And located in this garden was a place where these fully ripened olives would be taken, brought, crushed, squeezed, in order to extract from them uh, the essence of primary value, and that was oil. 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 Oil would be used for many things, for cooking, for lighting, uh, but, but most notedly, oil would be used throughout the Old Testament, and even as we come into the New Testament, for anointing. Now, anointing was a process, a spiritual process, a process of worship, uh, and especially throughout the Old Testament, anointing was that action where a person, place, or thing would be set aside as holy unto God. 
uh, it would be anointed, oil would be poured on it, placed on it, and, and very often uh, the, the person anointing, whether it was a judge, a prophet, or whatever, would place their hands on it and say, this thing is uniquely set aside. Now, some years ago when we were studying this word anointing that is just terribly overused and abused in my experience growing up in church, everything was anointed. If we sang a song that we liked, you know, uh, what a fellowship, what? if we liked that song, you know, leaning on the everlasting arms, or, oh, I want to see him, or today, newer chorus, you know, I believe you'll do it again. There's songs that resonate with us, and they resonate with us psychologically and emotionally, and we'll say very often, oh, man, that was anointed. And, and, it, and it may very well have been. But what I want to delineate and differentiate between is that emotional sensation, psychological sensation, may or may not be any evidence of what we know to be anointing. We hear a sermon, a phrase, a quote, or something that really resonates with us. And, and I grew up in a faith persuasion where that word was used to oh, man, that was anointed, you know, anointed. Um, you got a new car. It made me happy. It's anointed. Everything's anointed. You go to a Celine Dion concert, and you're moved by uh, a, rom- a, a romance song, and, oh, man, <laughs> Celine Dion's anointed. Maybe she is. I don't know. But anointing's used for everything and largely a departure from what the scriptural designation is. But here was the little thing we memorized uh, three or four years ago when studying this, and it's prophets, priests, kings, and things. Right where you're sitting wherever it is, if you're with someone else, and if you're not with someone else, would you say that out loud? As a matter of fact, go ahead, and for purposes of us saying it together, write this in the little chat line right there in the comments box. Write, prophets, priests, kings, and things. One more time. Prophets, priests, kings, and things. These are the unique list of things that were called upon. And years ago in the teaching, as a matter of fact, I'll try and dig that up and reference it. Uh, each Each of those four things, the things I'm speaking with, articles for the tabernacle and temple. But these things, um, all of them had a specific purpose uh, to, to give expression to the presence and the power uh, of God. Articles for worship, whether it was a king, a prophet, priest, or things used in the temple. So that's where it comes from. Now, uh, I, I rushed through that to get to this point, and, and I want to move with purpose. Not, not quickly, but I want to move with, with a clarity and purpose this morning. As we come to this moment of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, verse 36, go ahead and have that ready. And it says, and he, Jesus, came with him to a place called Gethsemane. I think the poetic emphasis is powerful. Because about three years early, after a 40 days in the wilderness, wrestling face-to-face with the devil, the adversary, and Jesus does come out on the other side by declaring in the face of that oppression and, 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 and temptation, It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. He walks out of the wilderness straight to the synagogue. It says he came in, opened a scroll, and he said these words straight from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, the favorable year of our Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those in in Zion, giving them the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise for the spirit of heaviness so that they will be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified do you notice there that he says I'm going to trade you mourning for an oil of the words gladness but the Hebrew term is most often translated joy God says I bring in an anointing to you and when I bring it 
for every point of mourning, frustration, or screaming, I'm going to give you a divine exchange of joy. For everything that you're facing that may steal your joy and your ability to take your next step forward, he, he says, I want to declare to you that when that anointing comes, when that designation comes, when it happens, I want you to know that there will be joy that will replace your frustration. There will be an empowerment to take a next step that you didn't think you would be able to take. There will be the power to walk to a destination and a destiny that you may have thought was beyond your reach. That's what God promises. And from the lips of the Savior in Luke chapter 4 and in Matthew, he rises in the synagogue and he says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He quotes that prophet from 700 years earlier. He says, because the Lord has poured the oil of anointing on me. I love how the book of Acts further clarifies that in chapter 10, verse 38, when the, when the writer of the book of Acts is writing, and it says, We know, he says, and you know, I know, of Jesus of Nazareth, how God, uh, pr- pr- how God anointed him, here it comes, with the Holy Spirit. That is so important. Because in, in, as you walk, it says, as Jesus walks out of the wilderness, opens the scroll, with, uh, it, it, with he had the audacity to stand up and say, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Beloved, here, let me go ahead and give away the end. The good news is the John, uh, the writer of the gospel and the letters, the epistles, would say, I want you to know you're unique. You are not only those who have the anointing, but that anointing abides in you. You are the anointed. I want to declare to you this morning, it's in you. 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 And that's important because of where we're going to end up. I want to say it 10,000 more times. It's in you. It's not out there. It's in you. If you've ever said yes as a child of God, if you've ever said yes and invited the Lord to be your Savior, if you've ever said yes, confessed your sins, and accepted Him to be your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you the first day, the first time you did that, there was something from beyond that came. And you can very much say, I walked away from that moment saying the Spirit of the Lord is up on me because the Lord has anointed me. That day you said yes to Jesus Christ. But beloved, I want to declare this because I believe that God brings our Savior three years later to this place of crushing and squeezing, to the place where the oil is made to remind him of essential origins. And that from the origin of his life and ministry before the foundation of the world, and when he arrived three years earlier, he would say, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. But beloved, on the night before, he would be arrested and taken to the cross when he needed the power, when he needed the resolve, when he needed that presence of God the most. He would bring them to Gethsemane. And I believe I believe in my heart of hearts that what happened there is on another, on another level or plane altogether. There's this reference, and it goes like this. Jesus, I believe it to the bone, and I'll tell you why when we get to the end. That our Savior said, three years later, I walked out of the wilderness and declared the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. But by the time he leaves Gethsemane, by the time he leaves the squeezing, he finishes up by saying, the Spirit of the Lord isn't upon me. The oil that was poured on me was poured straight to my heart. I want to declare the Spirit of the Lord is within me, so squeeze me. Go ahead and squeeze me. Squeeze me, press me, crush me. Because for every time you squeeze and tighten the grip uh, and, and squeeze and squeeze, all it's going to do is bring more to the surface of my life. You know, that same principle is, is brought to us by Paul. Where he says, where the force of sin abounds, comes and squeeze and want to press you. Every time sin does that, it's a self-defeating propagation. 
Because he says, where sin abounds, the grace of God will flow forth and always more over abound than sin can have a capacity to abound. So if you feel you're being squeezed, pressed, crushed, all you got to do is say, wait a minute. Just sort of turn your head like you're getting ready for a fight or whatever. And say, Lord, when I first met you, something came from beyond. But that day when it came from beyond, it came to abide within. And that which was beyond is now within. I don't have to pray for something to come from beyond. I have to step up to the moment of the squeezing and say, go ahead and squeeze. Because you're about to find out that what once came from beyond now abides within. And all you're doing is squeezing to the surface of my life the power of overcoming that's going to be brought to bear. Woo! Come on. Come on. Just stand up and give your own self a high five right now. Boom. Do that in Jesus' name. In chapter 26 of Matthew, we now land there. And I want to move quickly through several points. But um, in verse 36, let me give you these principles. In verse 36, it says, Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, "Sit Sit here while I go over there and pray. Let me go ahead and challenge you, you who are listening, the anointed, the anointed, the beginning squeeze, the first stage of the squeeze will be this. Watch. When you're facing circumstances that you come to the conclusion with absolute certainty that more than anything else, I need to find a place to pray. I need to find a place to shut out the world. Since last October, I've been working on lyrics for a song and, and I love, let me see if I can find it real quick to share it with you. Uh, I, I love this, this one phrase. I don't know that I can find it. Uh, I, I love this one phrase that says, um, I've come to the place where the oil is na- made uh, to shut out the noise, so I've come to pray. Beloved, there's a place where when you find yourself in situations, first and foremost, when the squeeze begins to happen, have this resolve. I've got to find a place to pray. I've got to find a place to talk to God. Because there's every other voice. Have we ever lived in a time when there are more voices and more things and more sources telling us what next thing to do and what thing not to do? If I hear anything over and over and over, it's what do we listen to? Beloved, that's the squeeze that the anointed have the only option for that no one else on the planet does. We get to come to the place when the squeeze starts and says, Father, I'm going to shut out the noise. I'm going to get alone with you. Can I challenge you to do that? As a matter of fact, I'll be doing that more in about two weeks. We're going to set aside uh, 20 days to pray. 20 days to do to pray uh, in 2020. And, and however you may feel about that, but 20 days to pray 20 minutes where we're going to shut every noise out, spend time with God alone. And boy, am I looking forward to that. In verse 36 and 37, it says that he came to the place to pray and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John. And he began to be grieved, distressed, Anybody hear the language of Isaiah 61? You come mourning in a place of ashes. There's a similar language here. It said he was deep, grieved, he was distressed, he was mourning, he was in a place of reflection in similar fashion. But hang on, beloved. As certainly as joy is the exchange promised 700 years earlier from the mouth of the prophet, God has joy waiting for him, and you'll find it at the end of this story. We come to that moment, we're being squeezed, and we say, number one, i got to get alone with God. When you find yourself, you've just entered the place where the oil is made. But the squeeze turns up. And so we say, can I get some people to pray with me? Second principle. Uh, when we f- I feel so grieved and distressed. By the way, verse 38. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm moving quickly and I don't want to move past it. Then he said to him, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. 
remain here and keep watch with me. Now, I've got about five more I need to share with you, and I'm going to try to dial it down and look as much as possible right into your face and your eyes because somebody needs these today. If not all of them, some, every, every one of us under the sound of this word today needs this. When I feel so grieved and distressed that I think I may not see tomorrow, I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. You see, number one, the first squeeze starts, i got to pray, but the squeeze isn't over and it turns it up. And my response has been the squeeze is not just calling me to a place to get away from the voices, but, but Father, I feel like I'm, I'm being squeezed that it's squeezing the life out of me. It's squeezing what I thought tomorrow may bring. So many of us are wondering, what will tomorrow bring? Your tomorrows are fine. Your tomorrows are fine. Can I say it again? Our tomorrows are fine because God has promised to be in every one of them, to be and for us who, you know, who are the anointed, he isn't promised to be. God says, I'm already in your tomorrow. I'm waiting for you when you get there. You're going to be fine. The third principle from verse 39, it says, And he went a little beyond them and fell on his faith and said, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Number three, when I am begging God for another path than the obvious path forward... <laughs> And heaven is silent. And heaven is silent. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, you know, I, I, I just got to stick something in here because every time I, I read this verse of Scripture that says, when, I come, when I'm begging God for any other path forward than the obvious path uh, before me, and heaven is silent, I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. There's never been a time through the years in reading this verse that I don't think about John 18 because in John 18 it records... Uh, the events in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and it says an angel came to him and ministered to him, but it doesn't say there was any new word. You know, we're always wanting a new word, a fresh word, but it doesn't say that happened. But here, here's the thing I laughed out loud about this morning that I've never thought of before. In John 18, it records something that the other Gospels and records do not record. It says when they came to arrest him, and, and, and in John 18 it says, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, I am. And it said they drew back and fell down. Can I tell you a principle? Hell, the adversary, the devil, doesn't want you to go to the place where the oil is made and remind you of your origins. Remind you that you don't just have the anointing, you are the anointed, because hell will always make the stake of squeezing too much, and just at the point he squeezes enough of that to the surface, guess what happened? It just blows everything around you down. Boom. It said they fell down as if they fainted. Beloved, the anointing squeezed to the surface of your life does that. That happened at the end of the garden. Let's keep going. In verse uh, 40, it says, And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Let me give you number four. When I discover I have to depend, watch this. Remember the three guys he brought with him to pray? How many of us know that when we're facing a crushing and squeezing, we're going to look for someone to pray? And that's great. And the majority of the time, that will be good and it will work. But there will be the very rare occasions when it's just you and God. When you come to pray and say, Father, i got to hear for you and, and I brought some help. And then you discover that in those rare moments that those you leaned on the most to access what you needed the most, suddenly they're not available. When I come to the place, when I discover that I have to pin, watch this, I have to depend on the prayers from within me more than the prayers around me. 
I am definitely in a place where the oil is made. Now, I want to tell you, through these four principles, there is this constant squeezing. But for every increased squeezing, there is a response. You see, for every, here, here is the squeeze is tightened just a little more. Jesus discovers, wait a minute, this is on me. Beloved, can I tell you at the moment you may feel alone, in fact, you never are. But can I tell you there will be that moment that not only do you have to pray, but it's going to be you and God. They're very rare. But they will come, and many of you may be in that moment right now. Verse 40 and 41. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping again, if you will, and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for an hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Here's the phrase. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here's the principle. When it seems my current weakness, the current weakness of my flesh. And when I say flesh, I want to be clear. That is my, what I sense here in this world. What's going on around me in, in my life, my family, my job, my finances, my stuff, the weather, economics, politics, culture, society. All of those things just seem to be squeezing and squeezing and squeezing. And when it seems the current weakness, or if I can say susceptibility of my flesh, is greater than the strength of my spirit. Not his spirit, but mine. I'm Definitely in a place where the oil is made. Because it's being squeezed, squeezed, squeezed. And I become aware that, what I'm, that my sensory uh, perceptions of sensing what I sense in my flesh suddenly is rising to try and overcome the anointing that I received in and by the Spirit. And can I go ahead and give you the good news? It may look like the flesh is going to win, but it will not. The Spirit will indeed triumph because you are the anointed. And God only brings us to Gethsemane to remind us, again, I want to say it a thousand times, that the Spirit of the Lord God is no longer just on you, it is in you. And He says, I'm going to let life that you're living in produce that to the surface of your life so that you have evidence of a deep and abiding faith that is ever for in you and you have the capacity to face whatever will be before you. Because remember, beyond the Garden of Gethsemane, there was still a cross. Number six, in verse 46, he says, Get up and let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. And while he was speaking, behold, Judas, uh, one of the twelve, came up, accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs. They came with chief priests, from the chief priests and elders of the people. And now he was betraying him, gave them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Notice the words in verse 46, Get up and let's go get going. Behold, the one who betrays me in his hand. When you, listen, here's the principle. When you don't know who or what to trust, let me qualify that and pause right there. We live in a time when we're being assaulted with information from every angle about everything from can we work, can we worship, where can I go, about whether wearing masks is legitimate. There's all sorts of theories. I get I don't know. I don't want to exaggerate at all. I probably get 10 to 15 videos or news articles from, from both sides of the equations of, you know, uh, and, I, and I don't want to sound dismissive of, of anyone at all. I'm just saying, I get this. But here's the deal. One of the things we did on, on our sabbatical, believe it or not, is shut down social media and we didn't watch the news. And it, it wasn't a conscious choice at first until I noticed I was doing it and I said, I'm just going to sort of unplug. And then I would get messages and things that would pop up in the emails. I would check emails so I could stay in touch with the staff and things that were going on. 
And there would be these things pop up, and I was aware that I, I wasn't aware what was going on. But can I tell you, I just loved this Sabbath time that Brenda and I had the opportunity to just get away and spend. I, I, I can't tell you how absolutely refreshing it was. But to that end, uh, what I discovered is where, and, and, I'm, and we really need to do a series on this, where do I find truth right now? Where is truth? Who has it? Where is it? Do you understand that we are people of truth, the anointed, the spirit, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The word of God is the word of truth. So when all the craziness is going on, and I don't know, watch it, I'm getting squeezed, and I don't know who to trust or what to trust when I'm in the place where the oil is made, and that gets tightened and it's squeezed to the surface. I look all of those untrustworthy things in the face. Watch this. When I don't know who or what to trust, but I still take the next forward step forward towards my destiny, I'm definitely in a place where the oil is made, but I'm moving to the other side and I'm coming in, into and out of that place to take the next step forward. Praise God. Hallelujah. The next one, verse 51, And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached out and drew out reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And then Jesus said, Put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Uh, Peter, this was Peter, if you read the other Gospels. And remember, only minutes at best before this moment, uh, perhaps hours at, at, at best, I should say, they had walked out of the Last Supper, the upper, an upper room where they had gathered, and they sang a song, and, and Peter said, Hey, I'm, I'm ready, I'm fired up, I'm ready to go with you. And Jesus said, Peter, you, before the sun comes up, you're going to deny me three times. I believe what happens here is Peter is stepping up and he's saying, matter of fact, he said, never, Lord, you know. And he said, yeah, it's going to happen. I believe Peter is being driven here in the moment to step up to the front of the crowd and he pulls out a sword and he says, I'm going to let him know right now. All these guys, oh, by the way, between three and 500 likely came to the Garden of Gethsemane in search of Jesus Christ. And here Peter just, he steps up and, and, and I really believe that he stepped up and said, I want to let him know that what he just said about me is not true. I, so he steps out front. He steps up to the front, whack, wipes, wipes, whacks the guy's ear off. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, uh, dude, you missed the point. Here, here's the principle. When you're in a place where the oil is made, there will be occasions when those who you have leaned on the most just don't seem to get it. Don't be surprised by that. Don't go, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? You know, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my mom, my dad. And listen, there will be rare occasions when even your spouse, those closest to you, I, I keep saying they're rare. They really are rare, but they're going to happen. When it's just you, the anointed, in whom the anointing abides, and God. And you're going to shake your head uh, and say, dude, you're missing the point. All of us will have that when we come to a place when those who have been closest to it really don't seem to understand the process and the point of what I'm walking through. Now, notice throughout the process of this progressive squeezing how there becomes suddenly a shift of intentional clarity that Jesus rises from prayer. Let's see where he goes from here. It says uh, uh, in verse 53, it says, or do you, he's still talking. He says, do you not think that I cannot appeal to my father at once? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. How then will scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen this way? Then he goes on to repeat it again, saying the scriptures are being fulfilled. Beloved, I've said this before and I'll say it again. 
We are the anointed on whom the Spirit of God has fallen and in whom now the Spirit of God abides. The anointing is in us, so squeeze. Go ahead, world. Go ahead, life. Go ahead, culture. Go ahead, economy, and squeeze me because all you're going to do is bring to the surface a clarity of focus, the ability to step forward in the face of untrustworthy conditions and walk towards a sure and certain destiny of redemption and resurrection. Remember, there was a cross and resurrection, and suddenly Jesus begins to stand up, man up, and step forward to what was lying before him with absolute conviction. The uncertainty is now gone. As he rises, he's walking out of the place where the oil is made. He's come into it. He said, i got to find a place to pray. I, my soul is grieving. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring or if I'll even see it. I brought people with me, and I've discovered that they it's my own prayers within me, not the prayers from around me. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what to do next, but I'm still going to take a next step forward in faith, irrespective of whatever voices may be speaking, and whether or not I think I can even trust them. I know in whom I have believed, and I have entrusted to him all that I am because he is able to keep it until that day. Paul was speaking when he wrote those words to Timothy of Jesus Christ, and he spoke them of Jesus Christ because he knew a Savior that himself had walked through the same situation, and it is if at the end of Gethsemane, Jesus himself says, I'm good. The anointing that fell on me is in me, and all you've done here is squeeze it to the surface. Get up, let's go, and I'm taking the next step forward into my destiny and God's destination for my soul, and I'm ready to embrace it. And then it happens. The words that he had quoted for three years are now not any longer. <laughs> three years earlier, he started saying it's written on a scroll. Three years later in Gethsemane, he said, I'm not reading it off a scroll. It's written on my heart. It's written on my heart. 2 Corinthians 3 talks about the Holy Spirit animating that Word of God in, in, in the prophetic declaration from the Old Testament where the prophet would say, you're living in a day where the Word of God is written on tablets and paper, but there's coming a time when I'm going to write it on the hearts of my people. They won't have to go looking for it out there. They will find it in there because we're not pouring anointing from the outside. It's on the inside, and it will animate the Word of God. And in like fashion... A precedent in a reflection of what was yet to come. Our Savior rises as we can this day and says, wait a minute, it's written. It's not just written on that scroll I read from three years ago, but I've discovered that as I've been squeezed and crushed and pressed, it's not just written on a scroll, it's written on my heart, and here's what I'm going to declare. Here's the point. You know, I hadn't thought of this. I need somebody here. There's four or five people, four or five of the staff members. Uh, you can't see Jose the Faithful. I think that's what his name really means. Uh, I need a little bottle of anointing oil. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody find that for me real quick. If you can't, I'll, I guess I use water. But um, if you can do that. Hallelujah. Got one right here. Thank you. Go ahead and get ready with that microphone. I'm going to need you in a minute. Pastor Matt, he came to sit in the audience, and he's going to bust me because I called him up. He came in topsiders and, and shorts, but that's okay. He said, come up here, son. Hallelujah. Is that like a really good shirt you can't wash? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Come on up here and stand right here if you would. 
You know, I, I've taken this moment to do it, and I should have told you. I'm serious. There are some of you who need to get, get up from your seat, go to your kitchen, and find some canola oil or olive oil or whatever oil you have. If you don't have that, get some Crisco. <laughs> I don't know what you'll get. Uh, go get some motor oil. Go get something. But this morning, I, there's just, I'm telling you, this is not a statistical declaration because X amount of people are listening and one person probably needs it. I want to tell you with prophetic pointed anointing, if you will, that there's someone here that you, you need to say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I need to do something as a statement. And, and, and it, this is that statement. Go get some. And, and I want you to just take it. And I, here, the good news for you, this one's got a little roller thing, so it won't really pour on you. I don't think so. You're safe. But I, I want you to see what I wrote that it says this, and I'm, I'm going to share with you about this oil of joy in the face of mourning, oil of gladness. Remember Isaiah? Okay? That when I come to the place where the oil is made, and son, if you've been there, it may seem as though you're praying alone. This won't pour. I wish it did. So I'm just going to give you the, it sort of rolls out. But uh, just, just hold your head up straight. When I come to the place where the oil is made, it may seem that I'm praying alone and that heaven is silent. It may seem there's no one to trust or no voices I can trust. I do not have the strength in my flesh to make it to tomorrow. But then, there is a sensation in my spirit of something that's not just trickling through my hair and down my face, but it's straight to my heart. It's the anointing. It's the anointing within me that has been squeezed to the surface of my life. And once again, I find myself in the grip of the purpose for which I was set aside and anointed, that I have and that I have the promised power that comes with things that are anointed. And I am one of those. I may have entered the oil press distressed and grieve alone, but I will walk out of it with a joy that is set before me. The oil press is a place of transition from grief and uncertainty of the present moment that's squeezing me to the grip of joy to what certainly lies ahead, for it is written. Listen to me. It is only at that point that the grief and sorrow I experienced is I entered the oil press. It is only that moment that oil begins to be squeezed to the surface of my life. But here's the secret we don't know. That Lift your hands up, son. That there was a Savior who entered Gethsemane. There was a Savior who entered the squeeze and walked out on the other side. And we don't have these words. But I believe it was a Savior who discovered I don't need to read it from a scroll because it's written on my heart. And I need to declare to you that the Spirit of God that was on me is now in me. And that's a promise for each and every one of my sons of God. See, Romans 8 says that Jesus was the first fruits of everything we will ever experience. But then Hebrews chapter 12 tops it off. It says, fixing your eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, who has gone on before us. And it says this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Beloved, can I tell you that there is a moment as you come in this season, a season of Gethsemane. 
It started in March for certain, for some before, and it's intensified. And it seems as though the grip of this thing squeezes and squeezes and squeezes unrelentingly. Let me tell you, as certainly as Paul would write to the Thessalonians about the matters of death, he says, listen, we don't process life the way people process life that have no hope. We're those in whom hope abides. And he says, even unto death, where there are those who have gone on before you, we don't grieve like they grieve, for there's coming a moment and a shout of God himself will step forward. And in the twinkling of an eye, those who have gone on before, we will see them again face to face. That's just one glimpse. There's a joy resident before us that rises up within us. It's that anointing. It's that anointing. It's not on you, it's in you, it abides in you. And right now, during the times that we're living in, when we come to a place of scream, go ahead and scream. Start it off like Jesus did. I don't know what on earth is going on. I don't know if I can make it tomorrow. I don't like what I'm in right now. And if you, I, I want something different than I know is coming tomorrow. You're most definitely in a place where the oil is made. And God's reminding you that what you've experienced to sustain you to this moment, I'm going to bring you to that origin to remind you of your origin. You don't just get the anointing. You are the anointed. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.